the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation, 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org, in partnership with Abbott. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. We are so excited to have a very special guest. We have actually a software engineer who has developed an app to help the people with dietary restrictions find a restaurant that can best meet their needs. And I thought, who more perfect to be on a show where we're talking about cardiovascular and vascular health than Faseo Oluwadia. She, as I said, is a software engineer. She's developed this amazing app. Excited to introduce you to Faseo. We had a great conversation preparing for this show yesterday, and I could have kept her on the show on the phone for hours and hours and hours. She's one of the most fascinating people I have met of late. You're yeah, going to love her. I know. I was kind of, you guys spoke when I was doing cases yesterday and I uh, was uh, sad that I couldn't get on. I did happen to see the show notes and quite a bio. So I'm looking forward to talking to uh, Faseo. And, you know, we love food. We've done multiple food shows. Uh, we've your um, oh, our, our buddy from In It, uh, you know. I mean, Evan Brown. Kevin, yeah. So it's like this is right up, right in our wheelhouse. Uh, we, I love to eat. <laughs> you love to eat. We had really good food in Italy about a year ago. So yeah, we did. We did. And it's too bad you're not going again this year. I know. Are you going? I am going. And I actually yeah. found out that Doctor Anadu Duwa from Mass General in Boston is going to this Click Conference, CLI Conference in Italy. And we also have Doctor Shannon Thomas. He yeah. is going. So you guys in Italy, have- and so the only one missing is you. I know. I we need yeah, you there. I'll have to. I'll have to talk <laughs> to Mariano and see what's up. But yeah, no, you guys will have fun. But nonetheless, this is going to be a great show. Looking forward to you know how you really use AI and because a lot of our patients have not dietary restrictions, but you know certain needs uh, with respect to the right amount of you know they need you know oils and, and as opposed to butters and you know if we ask them to follow certain diets so this will be kind of interesting to hear how you can use something this type of technology to help the patients we try to make strong dietary suggestions i mean i think every single cardiovascular and vascular patient needs to make some sort of modification to their diet right whether it's for example with my dad with his cardiovascular they said no dairy no gluten He has a special gene mutation that makes it so he can't um, properly turn food into fuel. And so he has to deal with that. So it's really hard to go to these restaurants. But I have to tell you, on that cruise that I went on, on Princess Cruises, they went above and beyond to cater to our diets. They even assigned us 
one of the managers, his name was Tomas and Toma, and he was finding us. They have these little medallions that you wear and they can track you anywhere on the ship. And no matter where I was any day on the ship, he could find exactly where I was, even on the deck, even near the pool and hand me a menu for the next day to make sure that I had the right, the choice that I wanted and that he had enough time to make sure that the chef could accommodate. So it was pretty amazing. I, I was really blown away. That's awesome. I mean, um, I wish I could get that service on the mainland. And that's where I think Faseo is going to come in. Yes, it should but be good. <laughs> first, I think we need a moment of inspiration. Very good. Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. So who better to provide a moment of inspiration or, or a great quote than the famous James Beard, the culinary expert, the chef. Oh, good one. Good one. The guy obviously was a masterpiece. Uh, but no, So he had a couple of quotes, and I'm going to share two of them. One, I think, is more uh, philosophical uh, and also can, you know, allow one to ponder. And this, this is what he said, food is our common ground, a universal experience, which is interesting, right? Because you can go anywhere in the world and have a meal with somebody and you may not know that person from Adam or whatnot, but you can kind of come together around, around food. Uh, and it allows you to, to just get inside, at least in my opinion, you kind of get a taste literally, but figuratively of what that, um, kind of community is about or that ethnicity or that part of the world. So I I, th- I like that quote. But then here's one that I thought was kind of funny because I don't really like tarragon. But he said, I-, I believe that if ever I had to practice cannibalism, I might manage if there was enough tarragon around. <laughs> so <laughs> That's that, awesome. I but that I think your first fun. one is so perfect <laughs> because with the sale, her app that she's created, she's going to go into, um, it, you know, with being someone that's that's on a special diet, having my dad, it's always tough to go out with people. We're really embarrassed that when we have to have the waiter pull the waiter aside and go, uh, make sure you don't yes. offer any dairy because I'm anaphylactic. But this app actually allows you to create groups on the app, on the web application, where you can actually each profile each person can put in their profile their likes their dislikes their allergies etc etc and it can generate the best restaurants for everybody the ones that are most likely to meet their needs and so that's really cool i'm excited to um to explore more that's that's awesome can i share a save my piggies event that i had personally real quick (laughs) So we're going to go all over, all over the place over. today. Sure. Again, this is that I was, I was, I was saying to you and those that are on before we went live, like I get a lot of insight from the, the patients that are on our show and it allows me to kind of reflect and be more empathetic and literally right. kind of walk a mile in their shoes. So Monday, Monday night, I was, I have a little gym in my basement and I was lifting weights and I, was just doing some stuff without my legs. So I didn't have shoes on. Anyway, I was transferring some plates, the weight plates, and I dropped a 25 pound plate on no. my foot. No. Yeah. Yes. And it hurt like heck, but it hit my pinky toe, which I think is broken because it's all swollen and bulbous and black and blue. But so I, I almost, I don't think I was going to lose the piggy, but that was, you know, my fir- not my first stop. But I thought, okay. But what what I've realized is that it's really this first time I've ever really hurt my hurt my foot. 
or a, a toe and it's hard to walk. I'm kind of like limping. And I got to thinking about, cause there are patients that will require minor amputations after what we, you know, what we do. Right. And so, um, you know, you end up kind of, Oh, it's just a pinky toe. It's no big deal. Take it off. But I'm having a hard time walking and this is just my pinky toe. So again, I feel for those folks that requ- that have issues with toes because, you know, they, they say the fifth toe you don't really need, the pinky toe. But, I, I you know, it's hurting me right now, and I need it. So I am more empathetic, even more empathetic today than I was uh, Sunday night before I dropped this 25-pound weight on my foot. So I That's had to so sh- interesting. You know, the one um, one of those who brought it to the attention, Marsha, she's still on right now. And I'm wondering, I'm sure that Marsha would never wish this upon you. Right, Marsha? <laughs> she's shaking her head no. Absolutely no, right, not. If it makes you more empathetic, I guess that's a good thing, and it's, not, <laughs> it's temporary. But, no, I do not wish that on you, Dr. Phillips. But thank you, though, because, again, you don't think – I don't think about these things sometimes. We think about, like we talked about last week, the procedure, obviously the patient – but the downturn, the downstream effects of these things and my foot hurts and it that toe hurts. And I hope that it gets better soon so I can get back to doing things. So, again, empathy, empathy, empathy. So, no, I think that that is so amazing. But, you know, what also is really amazing is that you did get the suggestion. You really listened to patients. And when, you know, Marsha and others have said, hey, you know, here is our experience. You listen and you really take it to heart. And the fact that you um, took this experience in this direction says so much, not only about your character, but about who you are as a doctor, right? Well, I'm also a dunce for dropping a 25-pound weight on my foot and not wearing shoes on. So that's, that's <laughs> it. But I appreciate it. But again, we're always learning from each other. And this yeah. is what's beautiful about the show. And in less than 30 seconds, we're going to hear about uh, an AI app. So this is awesome. Stay with us. Definitely. We'll be right back. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We are about to start our conversation with Fizeo, a software engineer who is taking it to the next level, trying to really kind of collate what people's needs are with respect to dining experience, eating and dining experiences in an app. And so, Fizeo, welcome to the show. You are a longtime software engineer. You've worked for big companies, uh, Nordstrom, Major League Baseball, 
all sorts of stuff. So tell us a little bit about your background. And then obviously throughout the show, we're going to try to figure out like, how did you pivot to doing that stuff to a little bit of a side hustle, developing a web app for people who have, you know, special dietary requirements. Okay. Yeah. So, um, thank you for having me. That's the first part. Um, I really appreciate talking about this app. It's something that's very dear to my heart. Um, so I am, I am a principal software engineer and, um, I have been an engineer for about 17 years now. Um, I started and I started my career in finance at larger banks and then, um, I switched over to sports, major league baseball. It was more, uh, technical reason and that I wanted more expansion when you work for larger organizations, you're you kind of get to work on small parts of applications. It's basically distributing responsibilities versus when you work for small organizations, it's smaller teams, so much larger responsibility. And I really wanted to be able to have that full exposure to all aspects of software engineering. So that way I felt like um, a a fuller engineer. Right. You have front end, you have back end, you have infrastructure, you have quality assurance. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. To build a software application, there are very many pieces and people that are required to build a team. You have the designer who is um, designing things that users will interact with. You have the front end engineer who's actually implementing that. So making the designs work. You have the backend engineer who's act- who's building the engine that makes these things work. So basically, the front end is saying, when you click here, do this. The back end is actually making the this happen. Then mm. you have the infrastructure engineers. The infrastructure engineers are basically the ones building all of the infrastructure that the entire application is going to run on. Um, there is the concept of on-prem where you have infrastructure engineers who are running basically hardware infrastructure that um, they own. There's also cloud where you have a number of organizations, big organizations. You have uh, Amazon, you have Google, you have Microsoft. They all have their cloud. Um, they all have their cloud offerings. So you also have infrastructure engineers managing that. Um, then you have QA engineer. So you can very much, as you can very much imagine, you have all these moving pieces, people designing different things. You need to make sure what is actually going to go out to the user is of top quality. There aren't errors in it. So that's a QA engineer. And then further still to that, you have um, also the production production support engineers, which are basically the application is now live. Everybody in the world is using it. But there's right. no- that can be going wrong on the back end. We don't want everybody using it to experience that. So they're getting alerts and notifications to say something's wrong, jump in, take a look at it and see um, how we can fix it and fix it quickly. Is there Um, anything that we would recognize over at Major League Baseball that you participated in that any major sports fan would go, oh, I use that feature? um, Kind of, yes or no. So basically, for the majority of my time at Major League Baseball, it was pretty much working on the automation of the auto renewal process. So what that is, is um, every year when you buy a package, when you buy a package for Major League Baseball, what happens is you can either say auto renew me. So 
um, autoimmune, so that basically the next year you just basically get billed automatically as opposed to having to come in and buy another subscription and again and again. Um, so that process was something that needed to be upgraded. And I was brought in to automate that process and just basically make it run more seamlessly, um, make it run more se- seamlessly and faster. Um, so yes, that's why I say yes and no, because yes, <laughs> I did the work, but no, you wouldn't actually know that was me. That was one thing. The other piece I worked on was on profile, manage, profile management. So when you logged on to the Major League Baseball site, you could go into your profile, and when you go into your profile, you could select your favorite sports leagues, update things accordingly about yourself that would later be used um, across the website. So there had to also be a big revamp of that from where it was to um, a more to a newer interface, a newer interaction. So I also worked on that. That's amazing. I guess I never really thought about all the engineers and everything that goes into Mm-hmm. A simple app, right? I mean, you just kind of, well, that I guess speaks to my ignorance on it. <laughs> but, uh, right, you just expect it to work, right? It's just yeah, like turning exactly. on the lights. You flip the switch and you expect the megawatts, the lights to turn on. Exactly. No, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely, for me, actually, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of working on the back end on engineering and building these applications. Because there have been some times when I built things and I'd go, to a bar and someone is playing on their phone and they're using a feature I built. I'm thinking this is cool. <laughs> I actually built that. You can't exactly tap them and be like, hey, I built that. <laughs> so real quick, like, cause I, I'm, I'm kind of interested, I'm very interested in this, but so when you're, you're coding, you, you code on a, a certain program, right? And like, are you, I, I kind of picture software engineers like in cubicles, just, Typing away, or maybe in basements. Is that is that a, probably an inaccurate um, depiction of how things work? Uh, I I think there it's probably an you you can say it. Yeah, you can say it. <laughs> it's an inaccurate depiction for me. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm sure there are coders out there who like <laughs> to stay in their basement with their headphones on, lights down, music blasting, and just code away. They're developers that are like that. I mean, I was like that when I first started out, but now I actually prefer open air spaces with multiple streets and very well lit. And you like to go to restaurants a lot. Yes, I absolutely do love going to restaurants. I am so (laughs) (laughs) with food and restaurants. I mean, food, my love and my passion for food has been there my entire life. My grandfather was a chef. My mother is a caterer. She also owns a farm. Um, so I've always, and of course, uh, born and raised in Nigeria, I, it's basically a requirement for a woman to know how to cook. So, uh, I've always had a love and a passion for food. Now, when I moved over to major league baseball, that's where I hit what at that point in time was the highest level, which was principal. So when I hit principal in major league baseball, I was like, okay, so I've peaked and I'm 33 years old. So what now? And then I was like, okay, I enjoy writing. I enjoy, I enjoy writing and I enjoy eating. Let's try to combine the two together and see if that's a career and if that's something I should also explore and do on the side. So that's how I actually started out my, that's how I started out my journey of being a food writer. Fast forward 
five years later, I'm now saying, let me take it up to the next level of combining my love for food, my love for writing, restaurant exploration and technology. But it wasn't the quickest and easiest decision to go that route. We are going to find out what came first in your foray to actually jump out on your own and create something on your own next right here on the Heart of Innovation. So stay with us. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.com. Or call our LegSaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Before the break, we were talking to Viseosh about her career as a software engineer working for very large corporations, and she was just starting to get into the catalyst for her deciding, you know what, I kind of want to create something on my own, whether it's on the side, whether it ultimately becomes full-time, I don't know, but I want to really sink my teeth into something and so, Vasail, I will let you continue your story from there. Sure. Um, so, as uh, as I was mentioning before the break, I was basically thinking about a way to combine all of my all of the things that I loved and I was obsessed with. So that was food, food writing, and also technology, because I kind of figured seventeen years in the tech industry, everybody is. Everybody um, has a startup product. And then with the introduction of AI and the boom of AI, I also want to be involved in that and Mm -hmm. what I can do there. But before I even got to thinking through about AI, I'd run through a number of different startup ideas. Uh, One was basically to return me back to my initial finance finance days, which is where I started, um, which is where I started my career um, in tech. So basically, you know how like uh, PayPal and all these other different, all these other different um, payment providers, when you want to send money via credit card, you have to pay um, a percentage of how much you're sending as a fee. Um, 
so for me, it, it was just something that I was always confused about. Why do I have to um, pay a percentage of that to you when I can do all these other transfers for free? So it was a thought I had. Uh, maybe I should have a startup that basically eliminates that eliminates that fee and people can just pay on a subscription basis to my platform. But as I, I was having a really hard time trying to figure out all of the different pay, um, payment gateways, whether it was Visa, MasterCard, whoever else, what exactly that integration structure was. I was having a rather difficult time understanding that. And also with it, I was starting to lose my patience a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of figured, okay, you know what? You left finance for a reason why you're trying to go back to finance. Um, so, so I'm just curious, like how much time do you put into this? How much money to just kind of consider this idea and then bringing it to fruition? Are we talking tens of thousands of dollars or, I mean, do you have to get seed money? How does that work? Uh, I'm spending my savings. Okay. Um, All on your own dime. All on my own dime. Gotcha. Uh, So as far as actually like playing around with the idea of building out the initial concept, no, I don't actually have to pay anything. It's just my laptop and, um, and IntelliJ, which is basically um, a program that I write code in. So it's just basically building on that. And then I can set up a fake environment that I don't have to pay for on my laptop. So I can build out the entire application of my laptop without paying for anything. But then obviously if you now, if I now want to expand it and I now want to expand it and deploy it so that the entire world has access to it, that's when I now need to actually either deploy it into an on-prem solution, which is what I mentioned earlier, or in the cloud. I prefer to use the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in the cloud. My application is deployed on GCP. So it's in the cloud. There are a number of different components. It's like there, there's databases, there's servers, there's um, security, there's a whole lot of infrastructure that goes into play that you need to set up and you build based off of your usage. Um, so that really is where I'm spending the money um, on the infrastructure cost. But, and that's all coming from your life savings for now. Yes, my life savings for now. But and you, do you have a team? Um, I have turned for the places that I find myself weak. So for instance, on designing, I'm not the greatest designer. I'm a great, I'm an engineer and all those other aspects, front end, back end infrastructure. I, I know all of that, but on design, I'm not the greatest. So I have a designer that I hired. Um, and then for my data team, basically they're the ones that handle the loading of the data that I train my models mm. I've also hired a team for that because it's something that I figure I can easily delegate. I shouldn't be spending my time on that. I should be spending my time actually building the application. Um, And then more recently, I brought on um, another engineer to help me out um, because I just have so many ideas. What I've I've, um, released is phase two, but I have up to seven phases right now that I have. Oh, my goodness. I want to build out. I'm not going to be able to build as fast as I want to building it entirely on my own. So, so what exactly did you ultimately decide to build and what was the catalyst for you deciding? I know we're going food, but this aspect of food. 
Certainly. So um, Rezactly is actually an acronym, Restaurants Made Exactly for You. So with food writing, as far as my being, my finding the restaurants that I'm going to go visit so I can have the experience and write about them, I have basically a formula for how I select the restaurants. I'm looking at the chef, I'm looking at the menus, I'm looking at the sources of sourcing of ingredients, I'm looking, um, I'm looking at the background of all the people who work in the kitchen. I basically have a set formula of everything I do before I actually walk, walk into the walk into the restaurant. Wow. What so I you physically you physically go have to go to each restaurant that you want to highlight on the app. Is that yeah. right? Okay. Wow, that's a lot of work. Well, each restaurant that I want to highlight on my food writing, I have to go to each one. Yeah, that's on her food writing. So that's for oh, her blog. Writing. That's not necessarily on the actual gotcha. this is where she's giving us a little background, I think, on the gotcha. what she does personally, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I I basically have that entire investigation before I select a restaurant. So I wanted to automate that entire process. So instead of the time consuming the time consuming aspect of finding restaurants, let me actually build something that finds the restaurants for me and brings it to me. Um and it was with that that I just said, basically, let me build this tool, which was exactly brought it, it brought it to me. And then it was after I built this little component, that's when OpenAI came into play. With OpenAI and artificial intelligence, I also wanted to jump on that bandwagon since everybody's building an AI startup. I started to think, how exactly can I integrate AI into my product, um, restaurant recommendations, which is essentially what I do. Um then it became a case of, okay, it's AI. That means I need to develop a model. That model, what, what is my model doing? It's recommending restaurants. It's recommending restaurants based on what? Based off of all the things that I actually take a look at when I go into the restaurant. And let's actually now take it a step further. What, aside from what I look at when I take it, when I go into a restaurant, what are other people considering when they go into a restaurant, when they're trying to select a dish? So they're taking into consideration um, the dish, the ingredients, allergies, dietary restrictions, food preparations, cuisines, there's a whole lot that they're taking into consideration. And I said, okay, I'll just take all of that and build an AI model. And that was it. That was the birth of exactly. Easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Well, coming up right here on The Heart of Innovation, we're going to get more specific on the features that the SEO offers and where this actual app can be found and who it's right for in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. We're talking to Fiseo. She's a software engineer, a principal software engineer, and she works for large corporations, but she has a side hustle building a web application that helps people who have special dietary needs, who are also foodies, find the best restaurants to meet their needs. And before the break, she was giving us the background as to what her thinking was in developing this app. And she's building it on AI and she's building this AI model that basically 
is as discriminant about finding a restaurant as she is, right, Faseo? <laughs> more or less, more or less. More or less. I don't know. Is it possible with AI to, to make it as discriminant as you are? <laughs> I think ultimately in the end, it really will be. I mean, my model right now is just a very little baby. She's just taking into consideration exactly the information that's brought into the system by the restaurants and by the eater who's coming onto the platform. So she's very much a baby just taking into the basics. So walk us through where you're at right now. I mean, are you actually, so you have to manually somehow bring in the menus and get them on there and it has to analyze the menus and how do you figure out the ingredients in there? That kind of thing. That is where a lot of research comes into play. And I have a very, very um, complex engine that basically analyzes dish names and analyzes dish names and looks onto the internet for different ways that these are prep- these are prepared and then it collapses it down to what the most common ingredients are and that's what it uses as the ingredients eventually what i want is for the restaurants to actually come onto the platform and then input their menus and, and ingredients because obviously that will make for a better model and better recommendations um but well, then- I, I would also imagine too that it would behoove the restaurant to maybe link up with your app because then you know you might help that help that restaurant then can find a more discriminatory um, uh, client that they may not have found otherwise. But the question I have too is are restaurants required to provide their ingredients? Like, is there laws behind that at all? Or, I mean, do they have to share that stuff with you? I don't believe there's a law for restaurants to provide the ingredients in their dishes. If there were there, I think there'd definitely be a lot of restaurants who are violating that law right now. Yeah. I mean, they're uh, not they're not required to put it on a menu. But if you ask and you want to know, well, hey, I'm allergic to dairy or I'm allergic to gluten or something like that. Usually they're I mean, I don't know if there's an actual requirement that they tell you or they can just say, hey, don't order it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, usually they will tell you. Say, would you envision that, like, let's say I download your app and then I would I kind of type in my dietary restrictions and a location that I was looking to go to? Is that how that would like best be um, um, operationalized? Yeah. So basically what happens is when you sign up for the um, application, you go through what I consider an onboarding process. The first thing you do is you provide general information, first name, last name, date of birth. Um, Those are things that my model takes into consideration, but they're not heavily weighted. After that, you provide what I consider your dining story. And it's really just telling the system in simple English. I like rice. I like beans. I hate broccoli. I am allergic to I am allergic to flour. You basically just put that in in simple English and then the application takes what you've provided and generates a persona profile for you. That persona profile at any point in time it can be changed. You just basically have to go to your profile in the application and update your dining story. But it has all of that information. Now the first time you log in to that application after your persona profile has been generated, it looks for your location. When you provide your, it looks for your location based off of your GPS. Um, it'll ask you permission to provide that. Once you provide that permission, it's going to look for restaurants that are around you. I think it's within a 30 mile radius, radius right now. 
So it looks for restaurants that are around you and looks for the percentage probability that you are going to like the restaurants that are um, around you. And the resorts, the results are provided to you sorted by distance and sorted by percentage probability that you are going to like. So for instance, you can go into the application and they'll show you the top three restaurants that are of distance two miles, that are of distance two miles from you, um, showing each in descending order, this is 97%, this is 20%, so on and so forth. And we're getting the question, I mean, you can actually, this web application, what's the site people can go to to actually access it right now? Um, it's resactly.com. That's R-E-S-A-C-T-L-Y.com. And we have another question coming in from Marsha. Marsha, you know, she asks, are you starting with chain restaurants or is it a small geographical area or multiple geographical areas? Um, it's multiple geographical areas. So right now, restaurants are loaded from uh, New York, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., Maryland, California, um, Texas, and Connecticut. Um, so Washington, Washington D.C., Baltimore, and, sorry, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Connecticut were actually added on based off of people who logged, who created accounts on the platform because they created accounts. And since the restaurants around them were not, since I didn't have restaurants around them loaded, um, I took it upon myself to then go ahead and actually load restaurants that are in a, mm. around their area so that then they could definitely take advantage of it. Is that is that something that you're like, oh my gosh, this person just logged in from San Rafael, California. I need restaurants there to please them. So you're doing yeah. this really grassroots organically. Yes, that is exactly what's happening. Now, it takes, about, <laughs> it takes about a month to load restaurants because I tend to load about 2,000 at a time, and it takes about a month to load um, that, those many restaurants. But I'm always checking, okay, who has signed up? Where are they signed up? Do I have enough restaurants there? How many, I mean, like, how many restaurants are there in the U.S. that you could that could potentially be in your database, like, realistically? Uh, I mean, the size of my database can take however many. Okay. Um, but the number of restaurants in the United States, that is a number that is a number that I absolutely do not have. So basically, I had to filter down to a particular to a particular um, to to be very specific on zip codes for what I was going to for what I was going to load, because mm -hmm. initially when I was just trying to load it state, I was pulling in 10,000, 20,000 restaurants. And I just figured there's no way I'm going to be able to manage that on my own at the start. So that's why I filtered it down. I can imagine that, that people who are, you know, signing up, if they, if they are like, oh, this is a great app. I, I really want to use it. I want more restaurants in my area. Can they help? Can they help get you the menus that you need at restaurants around them? I think for me, it would be better if you just basically mention your location. And if there's a specific restaurant you want loaded onto the platform, just provide that to me. There is a contact us link on Rizakli.com. So you can simply just send a message and then I will get my data team up and running to load those. The reason um, that I have to go that route is because there's a lot of data scrubbing that has to happen because if somebody else is just loading up manually without... Um, the correct data scrubbing, then my model starts to act up. So I have to load the data. Now, do you get feedback from your customers 
about, yeah, this was a, this was on spot. This wasn't, or I guess, how do you, uh, you know, do the checks and balances and, and things of that nature? Um, I'm definitely always looking for feedback and that's exactly why I have that contact us at the top. I am currently building out a feature for tell me what you think, which will basically just be a little icon when you're logged into the application where you can provide feedback of what features are there, what your wish list, wish list features are. Um, because again, this is my baby. She's still young. I'm still building her out. I have lots of ideas, but sometimes the best ideas you're not even thinking about, it comes from outside. And coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, I also have a, I, I wonder, you know, how we could all get involved, how, how, what the plans are for expansion. So stay with us right here on the Heart of Innovation and we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We are at our final segment with Faseyu, and we've spent the last, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 minutes talking about the app that she's developing. So, when we started the show, we were talking about how food it, it creates a community and it brings people together regardless of, you know, political beliefs or whatever. Right. And so, like, you've created a community with this app, correct? Um, yeah, certainly I have. Certainly I do believe on that. Um, a, a, a key feature that I have built into it to maintain that aspect of community is the social aspect of it. So um, generally what you would have sometimes is when you're going out to dinner with two, four, 10 people, it's always a bit of a process um, to be able to find a restaurant that works for everybody. So in the, in the application, you can create, you can create a social group and invite all your friends. You can do that via email, phone number, um, and add them to the group. And then you also provide um, what exactly what you're looking for. Okay. So maybe it's, we're looking for French food in, in New York. And I have all these members of this, of this group, the application will then search, um, the database of French restaurants in New York that I have, and it would then recommend restaurants that work for everybody. You would see when you go on to, when you go on to the application, it would provide two, probabilities. One is the probability that you would like it. And then there is the group probability. So one of the funny things I found while building this out is sometimes mine would say 98% and have five people and the group probability was five. And oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so what's going on in here? And then I would click onto the five and it would show me exactly who was not going to like the restaurant and the probability. So that kind of and what's really interesting is that it's not just about the restaurant. It can break it down clear to the dishes and the yes. probability that each one of you is going to like a particular dish. Right. Exactly. So as far as from aside from giving a recommendation on the restaurant, the most important part, I think, or the differentiator, I think, for my application is basically it can recommend dishes specifically taking into consideration your persona profile. So that's when- awesome, you know, because a lot of times you've been with people, right? And like, oh, where should we go eat? Well, I don't know, you know, who likes this, what and the other. So that probability thing is is pretty cool. But I mean, I'm a guy, I eat pretty much anything. I don't have any major dietary restrictions. Is this an app for me too? Or is it just for, are you, anybody use it? 
Anybody can use it because it's going to recommend restaurants. If you have zero dietary restrictions or allergies, just don't tell, just tell the, my application when you're on board, I have no dietary restrictions, no allergies, and I love everything. And then it's going to basically take that into consideration. <laughs> on the group recommendation while everybody else is five. But it's also good because you can put in there, I like steak, I like spaghetti, I like chicken, I prefer lamb chops, I prefer vegan, I prefer, you know, that kind of thing. And it's only as good, though, as the information that you provided, I would imagine. Yes, exactly. You have to provide as much information as you can, because obviously the more information you provide, the the more information you provide, the um, the better I can, the better the system knows you and it can recommend restaurants over to you. But there is one thing it doesn't include. And it doesn't include other people's reviews, which was very surprising to me. Why is that? I find the subjectivity of um, all of these review sites to be a bit of a problem because it's kind of a groupthink um, approach to dieting. So when I first started pulling up the phone and analyzing the data that I was going to use to train my model, I was looking at these reviews and I performed sentimental sentiments analysis on reviews that I get from Yelp for a restaurant and then reviews I get from TripAdvisor from a restaurant and then from a number of other um, restaurant review sites. So performing the sentiment analysis, sometimes you would see on Yelp, it's all ones. Basically, everybody loves it. Then you go to TripAdvisor, it's all zeros. <laughs> so it's like, great. Oh, my gosh. Yelp loves it. TripAdvisor hates it. How exactly am I supposed to make a, de- make a decision based on <laughs> So... Well, right, because you've got people, there. there's a certain type of person that's going to write a review and a certain type that isn't. And so there's a selection bias there. And I get it. I mean, it could totally sabotage a restaurant that really deserves a chance. Yes, exactly. Um, and this is, that was also another reason that was a motivation for me to build this, because I figure if as more and more people use this platform, then they're basically able to be able to be more selective about the restaurants that they're going to. So you're reducing the number of people that are going to go on Yelp and complain. It's more about the, the more that you visit restaurants, the more you write your own reviews, yeah. the better the system is going to be able to meet your needs and your desires. Yeah, so that aspect of leveling in your own reviews into the model, that is something that's currently in development. So basically giving you, allowing you to provide reviews all the way down to the dish level, not just at the restaurant level. Like I specifically had this and this is really what I liked about it and I didn't like about it. So being able to provide that mass amount of reviews, the more reviews you provide, the better my model will be to be able to train not only what the baby, your baby, the baby model does, which is general information, but also only your subjectivity. Fantastic. And again, what's the website? It is exactly R-E-S-A-C-T-L-Y.com. Thank you so much, Viseo. Amazing. We can't wait to see how this app evolves. Thank you. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and Abbott. 
Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.